Where's Mom Morrison? Well, my wife's not feeling well. You tried cigarettes. I'm Michael LaFaver. I'm Ryan Matlock. I'm Ray Smith. I'm Allie Barrett. And I have not seen the light of day in the last we're month. We're five hopeful <laughs> fans of Beyond Gilead. And today we're reviewing S-12, The Hope That Heals by Laurie Twitchell. So join us for episode 110 on our return to Gilead. I'm not even going to play what all of that was before we just started recording here because this has been an insane time trying to get us all started. Hi, guys. How are y'all okay. doing? Hello. Uh, introductions are in order. Uh, previous podcasters will know both Ali Barrett and Rhea Smith. Welcome to Return to Gilead. It's good to have you out here. Glad to be mm-hmm. here, finally. Yeah, I talked to Jack and Ali about joining Ryan uh, and, and me for this recording. And I thought, you know what? I've got three of my four best friends on the podcast. Why not get Raya too? So, yay. All of my best friends are here on the same podcast. So I'm the last one. Yeah, we, we don't talk about <laughs> that. So, <laughs> but... I never heard of you. We tolerate you too because I didn't get it. So I'm a little sad now. <laughs> let's, let's all be fair. You're probably higher than the, the, the fourth. It's just that he can't have you around too much or he would explode from the, the absolute snark. <laughs> she has been dissing wait, 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 this wait. whole time. I'm very confused. So he has to limit contact with Rhea because snark, but not with me and Allie because snark? Here's the summary for today's episode. In the months following the aftermath of the Coleraine mayoral race, the Morrison family invites a guest to their home, a five-year-old girl from the foster care system named Hope Turner. Uh, Jack has pretty much no context. He kind of knows what has sort of been going on up to this point. Allie has no context. Yeah, Allie has no context uh, except for like the first season of the show. And Rhea has absolutely who Michael was in this episode. I was like, Where is Justin? (laughs) Is he safe? Is he all right? (laughs) Is he okay? Not necessarily. He's alive. He's not. (laughs) Oh, that is a shock. (laughs) Yeah, it's hidden. Oh wait, all he left in our heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah just okay. What happened to the man? The resolution for last series, the last season, was he needed to spend some time away from Coleraine, away from the family, just for a while to clear his head. So he goes off to live with his uncle. That's okay. what's going on. Oh, this is not how you're talking about a person gosh. who's gone away to live with their uncle. Yeah, but it was really sudden, oh. and Mary feels like she was responsible partly for it because she didn't, she wasn't there for her son. Quote: uh, okay, The I, hole I, that he has <laughs> left in our hearts. <laughs> Get yeah. I yeah. Don't say so that a person worse. isn't dead. He was important oh to gosh. them. He was really I'm important like, to them. No yes, he, and he's still alive. Like, no. Yeah, but he's gone. Okay. But you that's can, not okay. You that's not gone. He's you can talk to the man. My goodness. Ryan, See, what, what have we done? This. The first thing I hear is the dad praying, sobbing, Uh being like, my mom is gone, and her health, and the son, and oh my gosh, I thought everyone died. (laughs) (laughs) I thought like the mom had cancer and Justin had died, and I was like, what is going on? And then it just turns out she's, okay, I don't mean to say that it's, she's just depressed, but the way that they were saying it, it sounded like it was physically there, yeah, is mentally, there is some significant context here. So when Justin went into a depression, it mm-hmm. kind of came out of nowhere. Like they didn't notice it because they were busy with the mayoral race. Okay. And then they decided to pull out of the mayoral race when they realized that it was affecting Justin. And the mother at one point okay. said something along the lines of, it's a shame that we had to pull out. We, we put so much work into the mayoral race, um, but at least now we can help Justin. 
and Justin overhear that. Justin overheard it. (sighs) And basically when when they were like, hey, Justin, we want to help you. He was like, really? I I thought that I was a burden to you. Because I heard heard they did a Hallmark way. They did a Hallmark Hallmark thing. Misunderstanding conflict, go burr. Oh, yeah. So they did that, but the mother was really shaken up because she felt like she, like her loose tongue led to even further damaging the relationship with her son and like putting him in the depression. And that, that plus the fact that she wasn't eating for like days because she was busy with the mayoral race led to her. She collapsed basically at the pre-inauguration and had to be rushed to the hospital. And so it was a combination of, she wasn't taking of herself physically or mentally because or spiritually, uh, she thought mentally, that it was all her fault. Economically. And so she, she, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> anyway, Sorry, go on. So, so she, ever since that stay at the hospital, just hadn't recovered because of the depression mm-hmm. on top okay. of the okay. physical ailment. Just she never kind of recovered from it all. Also, Justin was acting extremely out of character last season. He was always the one who was like super hopeful and helping his siblings and working through problems and thinking logically. And all of a sudden, he's mm. writing in a, a private blog that none of them can see about how there's uh. just a, a swirling blackness that he can't escape and how well, he feels no. like nobody's there for him. In- interestingly enough, there's there's something to be said for the people who are the most outgoing and trying to help other people are the least likely to actually deal with and resolve their own issues. That Absolutely, is true. Yeah. You see that all the time, and it hurts. Yeah. The happiest ones, typically, you might want to check in on them. Check in on your happy mm. friends. Well, hey, that's yeah. a great start to a review of today's episode. Ooh. <laughs> we haven't even talked about it. <laughs> so this is the Sorry beginning of Era 3 of, of Down Gilead Lane, uh, and Return to Gilead, for that matter. Uh, Beyond Gilead is the name of the series as it was rebranded recently, because seasons 7 through 12 of the series were made after the original writer had left, uh, they originally mm-hmm. called Down Gilead Lane, and then and that you know I think it was a mistake. And calling them Beyond Ooh. Gilead works well because it shows like this isn't the original writer's vision, but this is the series that we produced, and this is the this is how it goes. So at this point in the series, they've wrapped up most of the storylines that had been left over from the middle of the series, and introducing this new character of Hope Turner. Hope becomes a mainstay for the rest of the show. And this is her inaugural episode and the sort of the the bridge episode that takes place between the two seasons. And Ryan, you want to talk about how this episode is special? (laughs) It's an Easter special. Yeah. Uh, This may not be canonical. It is. It is canonical. Again, all the special episodes are canonical, Ryan. Uh, Except. (laughs) Except uh, (laughs) Little Town of Coloring. That one can't be. Except for when they're not. Anyway. What? The timeline Don't works. worry about it. I'll tell you when you're older. Okay. Did that cause problems with you and Hannah listening through for this one, or did she know to put this one before season nine? Oh, that's a fun story. If I remember correctly, <laughs> we started to listen to the first episode of season nine, and she was like, no, no, hold on, hold on. And then we went and listened to the special because so she heard one. Hope, and she was like, wait, hold up. No, 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 no. That's right, because it was the, uh, that was like the half clip episode, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what we're going to be reviewing next time on Return to Gilead. So we uh, listened to half of that, we got through all the clip (laughs) stuff, and then we got to the, like, we got to the hope part of it, and she was like, hold on, hold on, (laughs) let's go back. What do you guys think of hope? She's precious, she deserves the world. 
Exactly. Yes. She's she is yes. precious. I don't think any five year old actually talks like that, but that is beside yeah, the no. point. She deserves <laughs> the world. Mm. Yeah, she she's really cute. Oh, she's yeah. heavenly. A big part of this episode is her being the one to get Mary out of the slump that she's in. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the that? way she did it was so cute. I was like, oh, I yeah. I just I want to hide this child and protect her. Yes. I think Father Morrison had an excellent point insofar as. If he's the judge handling the case, he's not supposed to get personally mm-hmm. evolved. They're That's involved. True. There's there's a word called recusement. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, but I'm yeah, wondering how they got around that plot. Maybe he did recuse himself. Anyway, the honestly, also like the the dynamic of when they were playing hide and seek and hope, just interacting naturally with the rest of the family was really great. Yeah, honestly. it was really cute. That provided like the cutest. Well, they, like, they, they, were, they were searching for Easter eggs, but. Uh, I Easter eggs at the okay, end. Okay, he said hiding and seeking, and my mind got That's confused. What I too. Well, yeah, it's also Easter. I, so that they somehow really I forgot about that, despite well. the yeah. the whole interaction of so he was dead and then he wasn't and then he went <laughs> up to heaven <laughs> and somehow this is a holiday. <laughs> of course, it's a holiday. It makes sense. Very yep. precocious five year old, but still adorable. <laughs> Oh, she was so cute. She reminds me of people I knew growing up. Ryan, this is Laurie Twitchell's debut for the beginning of season nine. She's pretty it much the, the main writer for this whole end, ending era. So how do you think she did here? Here, I think she did really well. I I think this is uh, a great edition of Laurie Twitchell's writing. She did a very good job, especially like here she's introducing a new character and I like her characterization of Hope. Yeah, I I will have words to say along the way about Hope's characterization because I think that it can be a little inconsistent. But at least in this episode, I think that Hope is a very fun character. I agree with Jack. No five year old talks that way. But if yeah. we're if we're uh, suspending a little bit of reality and saying, oh, she's been around the block like. 20 million times due to her yeah. upbringing bouncing from foster family to foster family yeah it makes sense she's she's seen a lot with the amount of experiences slash memories she has i don't know five just seems a little on the young side for mm-hmm. yeah that's but kind of, the of point. course i'd expect it from like age eight maybe yeah exactly the foster like, system is actually pretty crazy like, oh, no yeah, I, I, I know yeah. that i know that there are that stuff happens it just i don't know anyway Wait, so what are we confused about? The, her many, many questions about the gospel or her terminology that was a little tough guy-ish? Terminology and also the, the yo-yoing between, man, I'm so happy to have my own house to be, oh, really? being, very, being very, very belligerent. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't think that was out of character at all. For me, the thing that I thought was odd was the way she responded when they were telling her the gospel. I oh, thought, that sounded really natural to me, actually. I th- really, I thought her terminology sounded natural be- when she was like, "Yeah, it's my crib or whatever," because <laughs> no, no. that's exactly the kind of thing I would have expected from where she yeah. came from. But I yeah. was not expecting that to come out of her mouth, and a seemingly very genuine eagerness to learn more about the gospel. I think she was pretty opposed to it. Like, it sounded like she was like, stupid. "Oh, stop the- talking! You're stupid." With the, the gospel conversation, it seemed to be more of a... She's a five-year-old and has questions? Five-year-old with questions, yes. And also kind of the smug atheism of, I'm going to keep asking questions and poking holes in their stuff until they realize that it's not actually <laughs> yeah. a thing. 
and it's also very okay. much a thing of throughout the episode. She's like, "You guys are really cool, and thank you for ha- let, like letting me stay." And so she's not gonna go. Shut up! Stop talking about the gospel. It's or about Jesus. We wouldn't use the. I guess she wouldn't use that terminology. But yeah, yeah. you can tell about, in the way she's saying it's like about this yeah. dead guy who's not dead anymore. That's exactly what I would have expected. Yeah, I was waiting for them to explain it in a way that would make sense to her because. Coming as if you were listening from Hope's perspective, I'm like, none of what they're saying would be making sense right now. I fully it's agree with her. Very, yeah, very canned answers. I'm like, you gotta, you gotta explain it in a way yeah. that the kid would understand. I was expecting the word zombie to get brought up. I was expecting to be like, oh, like a zombie. zombie. Robots. <laughs> no, no, not like a zombie. Yeah. Lori yeah. Twitchell ends up writing. So Lori, uh, we've reviewed a fair bit of her episodes. It's uh, her and John Fornoff are the two oh, main writers so cool. on this series. And yeah, you know who John Fornoff is, Ellie, right? John Fornoff's great. And, and so Rhea, cool. you would know him from Odyssey too, right? He wrote Snow Day. Oh, I don't know any writers of anything. Okay, is he wrote he the Snow one Day wrote and he wrote the Nudge special episode that I did. Yeah, he also wrote that one. Okay, cool. Dude, I stole notes from that guy at, like, SonicCon. It was great. I sat next to him, I was like, (laughs) He came to Liberty. Hopefully we have interviewed him in the previous episode. I don't know, because (laughs) schedules are weird. Anyway, so he's he's one of the other main writers on this, one of the two main writers. And Lori's episodes, we've gone back and forth, Ryan and I, and talking about the theology behind them and the, the way that she presents morals. And they're always... Usually, the, her her heart's in the right place, but mm-hmm. oftentimes it kind of gets lost in the translation of like, what are you talking about with God's will and about yeah. God speaking to us? Um, I was wondering, what are your guys' thoughts on her using robots as an example for if we were just robots, then that wouldn't that then God wouldn't want that for us, and like having that be sort of the culmination of uh, Haley's explanation. I don't know if this is the case, but it sounded like they were trying really hard not to use the term free will. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like the the robots thing is honestly kind of the best explanation for it. Yeah, I thought it was. Es- especially talking to a five year old because a five year old would probably have a concept of what a robot is sure. potentially. They would and not that's, know free will. <laughs> right. They they would not understand free will, predestination, and foreknowledge, but they would understand <laughs> robots don't have decision making. We have mm-hmm. decision making. I was just thinking about this when she was talking about how God doesn't have a plan for me because if he did, why have all these terrible things happened to me? I was shocked, and maybe this wouldn't have been appropriate in context, but I was shocked that Brooke or Haley didn't bring up uh, like their mom struggled with depression or just like the whole idea of our life hasn't been perfect. These these Mm. things have been happening, especially recently Mm. where... Like our brother, who's usually the yeah. optimistic rock of our family. He's dead. But yeah. he's, not <laughs> he's not dead. dead. He's just gone away for a God, little while. Yeah. That would have been great in context. I think that would have really worked. Yeah, and, I, I think that yeah. would have been great for giving her context of mm-hmm. we don't just believe in God because everything's perfect for us. We believe That's in true. God because not mm-hmm. everything is perfect. Yeah. She's a child. You got to give her something to kind of connect back to. That's how exactly. kids relate to things. The way she sees it now is you're the perfect happy family who's giving all mm-hmm. these canned responses about God, and why would she have any reason to believe that? Mm, that's exactly. true. And her, her progression in her like understanding of God and all of that still has several uh, long arcs to go through. Uh, mm-hmm. for her to Good. continue asking these questions. And I think it's great that at the end of the day, she may not believe, and that makes a good foil for her. But she's in the care of this loving family who yeah. has shown throughout the series that they really care about sharing the love of God. And that's especially true of people who they're accepting into their family. 
Mm-hmm. I am glad that they didn't try to make it a. She had one conversation with this family that took her in for one weekend, and now she's suddenly an ardent mm-hmm. believer because that's true. There would be a lot of baggage to work through. Yeah, and like as a five-year-old, you think she might be willing to just accept whatever, but because of what she's been through, it makes perfect sense for her character to not yeah, accept exactly. that instantly. Yes. Michael and Ryan, how old is Haley and or how old are Haley and Brooke? Brooke is eighteen and. Uh, or almost 19 at this point, and Haley is like 13, 14. That sounds right. Okay, so that's also something that we have to kind of consider here, especially with Haley and her responses. Naturally, she's going to say what her parents have taught her. So, yeah. you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, they could have presented it this way, but also I have to remember they are still learning themselves, you know. Honestly, for Fair. being put on the spot, they did great. Haley's an incredibly well-developed character, though. I love them so much. They're so sweet. Yeah. I mean, I know we've had a lot of development for Brooke, uh, Ryan, mm-hmm. but have has Haley got to the point where she would be able to present the gospel in a much more coherent way to an adult? I'll put it this way. I think that Michael is kind of the only one in the Morrison family who has had to witness. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and that was in episode really? two. Episode huh. three. But none of the other kids have had to witness to their friends. So I don't feel like Brooke or Haley Mm. necessarily have the practice to say the perfect words here. So I think that's fair. That's a fair point. That makes their presentation even better because now they're getting challenged on what if there's somebody in our family who we need to witness to. Mm. Mm. And how to correctly share that to someone who has no background with it. That's a really good idea how to do Exactly. I would not have expected that. It just seemed to happen so naturally. I was like, okay, so they're the kind of people who just talk about their Bible study around the breakfast table oh, yeah. and they just tell yeah. everybody yeah. they come across. Cool. You need to listen to the rest of the series, Rhea. It's it's great. Well, <laughs> from what you're saying, job. it doesn't sound like the girls have done that. I mean, around the breakfast the, the table, the they all know. The series is more the kids learning lessons about how to live life and like what what's right and wrong. Rather, okay. it's not quite an evangelistic series so much as a really mo- an Just ethics nice. and morals. Yeah, in the times when people series. come to Christ, um, they're extremely powerful moments. Yeah, they're awesome. Huh. I don't think you've actually seen any of those, Jack. So I don't know if you can say. Uh, I'm vaguely aware of the one person who was celebrating his first Christmas as a Christian and was oh yeah had a, a more grounded stance about Christmas than Mr. Morrison but that's yeah, beside that, the that, point that one time when I texted oh, you I was like hey are you gonna be in the room and you're like no I'm like good because I'm crying my eyes out that <laughs> oh was that ep- oh that was it yeah I haven't okay. cried at a lot of Odyssey episodes I have bald at like five episodes of Gilead. They're incredible. Dude, I almost cried at this one. Aw. I cried over the journey just because it was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we go to uh, one of the more heartwarming scenes in this episode? It's, it's a little bittersweet, but uh, let's listen to this clip of the day. I just, I like everyone here so much. Haley makes these great things with chocolate and marshmallows and s'mores. Yeah, s'mores. And we had popcorn and a slumber party last night with Brooke. And Mike makes great French toast. He does? Really? Yeah, and I just, you didn't feel good. And everyone was so upset about you being sick and so worried. And no one was giving you cigarettes. And I thought that would make you feel better. I'm sorry. Oh, oh sh- sh- no, no. Oh my god! I like how Mary's oh, like, my heart. Oh, Michael does make good French toast? I love it! <laughs> my heart! John Morrison's like, Mary, you're up! She's like, you didn't tell me there was French toast! <laughs> and nobody brought <laughs> you cigarettes! Michael oh. made French toast! Say no more! 
<laughs> okay, the one thing that miffs me the most about oh that scene, the thing gosh. that miffs me the most, is the fact that when she gave her the cigarettes, like, she went, oh, no, cigarettes, you know, stuff like that. But that mom should have said thank you and been like, you are precious. I'm like, I know. <laughs> it's a shock. She no, that's what she yeah, did. But like, that's oh. what she said. At first, it was I like, know. wait a minute, hold on, because she's so surprised. And then after that, she goes, but she gets the explanation. She's like, her. Oh. It scared Hope, but, and then Hope got sad. It's like, oh, baby, no. But it's so precious. It's and so yeah. precious. precious. Hear, hearing the five-year-old mindset of everybody was worried, but nobody was doing the one thing that might oh, actually make you feel better. Nobody was bringing you cigarettes. And in con- so out of context, it's funny, but in context, that so hurts that. so bad. Oh, I laughed so hard. Ryan, I'm going to get your thoughts. So I put a little bit of my thoughts into the haiku for this episode. Thanks for that <laughs> reading, yeah, Jack. Jack read it. When I listen to this scene, I just think the dad's like, oh, yeah, my, my, my wife's not feeling very well. And she's like, have you tried cigarettes? <laughs> Can I that, offer you a nice cigarette in this everything. trying time? <laughs> <laughs> but no, the uh, the scene is actually, I really like this. There's a part where it feels weird because th- this is one of the things that I, f- I feel a little confused with Hope is that she's been around the block and she comes off as really smart, but then she'll have these moments where she does something that seems very... Well, she's five. Ignorant. I was going to say that. Well, okay, but, 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 I, but. that's where I don't... Like, I want to either believe this is a really smart five-year-old or a typical five-year-old. And the show yeah, wants me to believe true. both back and forth. And we'll this see is, in yeah. the coming episodes. This episode is not an egregious error because there's a very good explanation for why she believes this. It's because her mom told her that. But Aww. you could say that most of the way that she acts throughout the episode is because her mom told her that. And it's being sure. in this new family and getting such warm welcomes. She's like, oh, this is different. I, I, had, I didn't get mm-hmm. this. Like my one of my last foster parents was was drinking and he used to like all that. One thing, especially with like trust situations like this, sometimes it can very much be back and forth, especially if you're in new situations and you don't know if you can fully trust somebody. It's like, oh, okay, I'll show a little bit of myself, a little bit, you know, I'll let down that guard a little bit and then the guard will go back up. And so it might seem very turbulent with a personality because, you know, they are literally trying to survive and they have to do what they have to do to, in or- you know, in order to be safe. I get the impression that this is a typical five-year-old, yes, but she's a five-year-old who has had to grow up mega quick. And so mm-hmm. there are times when she feels safe and so she acts like a typical five-year-old. And then there are other times where she's got the guard up and is cynical and is like, okay, you're just going to shuffle me off like everybody else. Mm. But then there are times like with the cigarettes where it's a very typical five-year-old of you love me, I love you, my mom loved me, and she, when she felt bad, I got her cigarettes because that made her feel better, so I will give you cigarettes to make you feel better. Yeah, she obviously That's doesn't true. understand the implications of, like, what are cigarettes. Yeah, uh, exactly, All she knows yeah. are the consequences of it. Like, with alcohol, she knows that's a bad thing because, uh, was it that, like, was she beaten by uh, that? That was or... the implication, seemed to yeah. be. Yeah, yeah, and so that's a bad thing, but cigarettes made her mom feel better, so that's a good thing. Yeah. Exactly. It's a very five-year-old dichotomy sort of thing of either this is a good thing or this is a bad thing. And for her experience, I guess that makes sense. Does that work, Ryan? It does in this scenario. It's surprisingly common how much cigarettes are seen as kind of a safety thing. I know growing up, I had a lot of friends who were like, oh, yeah, you know, cigarettes are a safety thing. It's just, you know, like the smell of cigarettes. So it has this nice thing that comforts them. I'm like, 
It's really interesting. And it, it kind of has a weird vibe for me because I grew up a lot around it, you know, just in the town I'm in. But a lot of people see that as a comfort. Yeah, that's mm. weird. Interesting. Then again, yeah. you're from Tennessee, so that, you know. <laughs> I am from rural. I told you were from so, West yeah. Virginia. You have no room to talk. I'm from the panhandle. <laughs> All we do here is drink Mountain Dew. It's just sad. Mm. That's what it is. He's the boring part of West Virginia. Yes. I'm from the backwoods of Tennessee. We have our spirits. <laughs> I'm from North Kakalaki. There are a couple lines in here that are really, really good. One, a couple funny lines, too. I, I think the, the kids sitting around and talking dynamic actually kind of works here because we sort of need that here yes. after yeah. everything's gone. Yes, well, yes, Ryan and I have yes. talked about this before. What do you think about that, Ryan? In this episode, I, th- I think I liked it, actually. Yeah. Or No, it, I think it was the next episode uh, that I really, really liked it. Here, it was all right. Okay. Yeah, Brooke's got a line where she's talking about cleaning out the fridge because she thinks she saw something green and fuzzy walking toward her hand. Yeah, I think I think I I, I enjoyed that conversation. That seemed pretty. <laughs> that was a funny opportunity because they, they in that here's the issue that we've had with them talking, like just sitting around and talking in the previous it doesn't episodes, really go anywhere. Is that they they weren't doing anything in this episode. They're making breakfast. They're trying to figure out what to do with the stuff yeah. in the fridge and everything. There's a reason they're all in the room together. Right. And they're all yeah, moving forward. So the plot of the scene is moving forward. The plot mm. of telling us information about the episode is moving forward. And we're getting some laughs along the way. So here it definitely works. I think Lori's gotten a lot better with that. And I kind of even forgot at in that scene, like the first scene of the episode, that Mary was not here at the moment where she was convalescing. And then uh, Tim says, guys, come on. We need to all pitch in until mom gets better, all right? And I thought, oh, that's Cut. why it's a little tense right now. Consider that you could move the plot forward through dialogue and things that people are saying. I think you could have, even if it weren't like making breakfast or moving things forward, it could have just been the sitting around and talking to progress the emotions and get from established like the whole family is in turbulence because Justin, and it doesn't necessarily have to have plot motion to have significance. Here's the thing though, Jack, we've had plenty of scenes and maybe five episodes from Laurie Twitchell recently that have had the characters just sitting around and talking about what's going on right now. And it didn't do a lot to progress the emotions, but once you add in a plot, it makes it a whole lot easier to do that. And it makes it a whole lot more interesting to listen to. Do not have that context. So (laughs) typically that's a sign of bad writing, but you know, I'm, We'll leave it be. What's a sign of bad writing? If you're not able to write something that works with characters just sitting around, yes, you need action to progress a plot, but it's like no. kind of like... No. <laughs> Allie, like, as some, I, I know what you mean, but as somebody who is currently trying to write an episode, I've had times when I thought, okay, the characters aren't doing anything here. They're just sitting around and talking. Well, let's make it a little bit easier by giving them something to do. There we go. No, it absolutely is easier. fully agree with that part. I'm just saying from a... Writing standpoint, it's like, okay, that's um something you should be able to work with. Yes, absolutely give your character something to do. That makes it much better, and it's kind of supposed to work that way. But even in a situation where they aren't doing anything, quote-unquote... You should be able to write dialogue that works and progresses things without having an easy point a b thing that they're doing in addition yeah and i think i think like the characters just need a reason that they're together in the same place like if the two characters you just put a scene and they're in the same room together but we don't know why how they got there why they're there where they plan to go after this and they're just talking to each other then that doesn't give us 
a reason that we got here. We're just like, it'd be like if you were just sitting in your room and then all of a sudden you teleported and you were in a room with two <laughs> people just listening to their conversation. Like, like you, let's say you landed in the closet and you just hear two people talking with each other. Or behind the couch. It would be boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, how did, how did I get here? What is happening? How did this Why happen? do I care? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then the scene between Brooke and John where Brooke is saying that it's kind of been on her heart about hope. What, what did you think about that, Ryan, being uh, prompted about that? Or, uh, Rhea, you've, you've hadn't had a lot of takes throughout this episode. Like, I've, you've, you've, been, you've been great in, in helping contribute to the discussion, but I want to bring your thoughts out a little, little bit more. What are your thoughts on, on that specific topic, if you have anything? Um, not anything specific. I just thought, you know, because the episode is kind of in transition, obviously, between two things. You know, the mom and the son all died, and then they're <laughs> going to foster this little girl. So, like, it's in between of stuff. I just thought it was really, really wholesome. And, like, mm-hmm. it kind of caught me by surprise, because, like, I didn't know what to expect from this. He kind of just dropped me in the middle of stuff. Yeah, I did, yeah. But I was very surprised with how open everyone was with each other. Like, two specific instances were when... Brooke was talking to Haley about her Bible study. She's like, I was just reading this this morning. And Haley asked a question. She's like, oh, really? Which first? I was like, we're talking about this? Like, I was so surprised about how open they were with each other. And then with Brooke talking to her dad, back to the topic, just how open she was with it. And just like, I really feel like this is something that God's wanting us to do, or at least look into. Can you please pray about this? Like, I just can't get rid of it. I I was just very surprised with how open they are with each other. And I was very impressed with Brooke, with how she's holding herself together. And I'm hoping she has like a meltdown later, because (laughs) I feel like that would fit. But (laughs) I, I appreciated that scene and how she just talked to her dad. And I do... I just felt like she was on the verge of tears the entire episode. Mm -hmm. Like she just, maybe it was just the actor and how she was adding earnestness into the lines she was saying, but I just felt like she was about to burst into tears at any moment. She did a great job. Ryan, what'd you think about the spiritual implications of that scene or the overall theme of the episode? I'm trying to pick out quite what the theme was like overall. What would you say it was? Well, maybe I'm just focusing on, on that particular part. Uh, I think the overall theme of the episode was how uh, something having to do with how Hope was able to help Mary out of her rough spot. But what I'm thinking about specifically is Brooke saying that it's been she's she can't stop thinking about that one girl that John brought up and she's talked to the whole family and they're all okay with it. So she's wanting John to pray about it. What do you think about that spirituality of that being pressed upon Brooke? Sure. I think that that was all right, actually. Yeah. She didn't seem to imply Hey, God told me to tell you this, but I didn't actually hear anything. I just assumed that my feelings were God. It seemed that she felt very strongly like for this girl, which that's just called compassion. And that's Mm -hmm. very important to pay attention to when you have uh, compassion on someone. And you're like, oh, I, I, I feel like we should do something. That's a good godly trait to have. And... I liked seeing it in Brooke where she was like, hey, I feel really strongly about this. I'm leaving this in your court. I'm not going to force it upon you. But I thought about it. I talked with the other kids and I've made this basically the most efficient decision that you possibly could. But I think this is a very good thing that we could do. I think that that was pretty solid. I I really appreciated the fact that when Brooke comes in, she's like, I feel really strongly about this. And the dad to his credit, the dad presents a bunch of 
reasons why this wouldn't work. Like, do we really want to bring her in for just one weekend and then send her back out again? I don't really need to get involved with this case. I appreciated the fact that it was she has a strong conviction and he has good reasons why they shouldn't. But then neither of them is trying to argue the other one into accepting their own point of view. And mm. the dad accepts the, yes, I will pray about it because clearly we have open communication in this household and you wouldn't talk to me about this if you didn't feel strongly. So I will go and pray about this. And I That's true. really appreciated that dynamic. Well, I'll bring up what might be a goof here and then another bit of trivia just to round out this whole review. Did they keep cigarettes just behind... Uh, like just on the shelves back in 2007 or were they like behind the <laughs> counter because these days they're locked behind the the like the checkout counter that's, an interesting <laughs> mm, that's true i wonder how let she me got google that. this let uh, me yeah let me think uh, about that okay. part actually uh, huh? it's it's also a small town oh, yeah 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 honestly probably not there might have been some laws and if she saw something maybe like on a park bench somewhere you know stuff like that because they have some areas that are close she goes, she's like, hey, yo, that sounds like a deal. <laughs> oh, no. And just snatches, snatches it off the bench. Who knows? You, you girls won't get this reference, but Freddie Falstaff goes rogue and starts Freddie's Fresh Fragrances. And <laughs> Hope walks up. It's like, what are you selling? He's like, I don't tell anyone, but my fragrances are <laughs> nicotine. <laughs> what Cigarettes. year was this? <laughs> 2007. Cool. Okay. So there was a bill introduced in 2007, May of 2007, to oh, wow. move all brands of cigarettes behind the counter. It was because of hope. It was because hope kept pinching them. It was because of hope. CBA's ministries lobbied to have that happen. They're like, oh yeah, this this isn't good. Let's change this. Okay. And final bit of trivia. Could you guys tell that Hope's voice was pitched up? Yes. No. No. I thought that, I was like, that's so weird. There's a bit of an audio effect on that. I don't know that if I can so answer because I already knew this. Really? Yeah, you, you hear I this. I, I will say. I I'm an audio editor. I didn't okay, hear. Fair. I didn't hear it the first time that I ever listened to it. I didn't think that voice sounds pitched up. I thought it was just a really high pitched girl. Yeah. Huh. For yeah, everyone okay, in post, here is a uh, here's a clip for you. Oh, I know. That's okay. I know you're not feeling good. It's why I brought you a present. Anyway, um, some final thoughts on this. I'll, I'll go ahead and give mine first. I really enjoyed this. When I was listening through the first time, I think it was either last year. Yeah, this would have been two years ago at this point, uh, like December 2021. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I was interested to see how they were going to bring hope into the Morrison family. And it kind of felt like, yeah, this is how we're, we're going to introduce her. But I felt like it was a, a good foundational introduction to show this is her background. This is where she comes from. And this is a great potential for our character. So we'll just have to see how she progresses throughout the series. All righty. So we have two minutes to do the wraps. Uh, I'm going to ask Allie, do you want to plug anything? Um, not really, honestly. I'm okay. not really doing anything plug-worthy. All right. Well, Allie Barrett, Rhea Smith, uh, again, two of my best friends at Liberty. So if you ever want them back on the podcast, please leave a voice message telling us so. Uh, Ryan, induct them on how to... I'm sorry, not Ryan. Jack, induct them on how to leave voice messages or how to get in contact with us. You have like a minute and a half. Go. All right. So what you do is you go to... You call up your local internet, internet provider is maybe <laughs> Chantel or uh, Comcast. Anyway, you call them up, get internet installed in your house. Then you pull up your phone, you tap the Safari icon if you have Apple or Google if you actually have a good phone, and then <laughs> you type <laughs> in. <laughs> then you go to what is it? Return to Gilead.fm? Something like no, that. No. <laughs> <laughs> you never got 
I love anyway. the plug for the Samsung phones, though. Thank you for that. <laughs> there we go. No, not there Samsung, we go. just anything not Apple. And if we go, go, if you go to returntogilead.com, you can see Jack's bio. It's really funny. Go look that up. Uh, we'll Wait, also have I have a bio? Hopefully. You do. It <laughs> says that he apparently hates both of our phones. Yeah, I will add that. That will be on the website soon. I have soon. an anyway. Apple, okay? I just am aware that it's terrible. Well, <laughs> well, anyway, we're going to head out now. Okay. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Raya. I'm Allie. I'm next. And I'm Michael. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you all next time as we once again return to Gilead. The potato. The potato ate her. <laughs> In Soviet Russia, potato eats you. Oh.